Come on, praise him, church. Give him praise. Give him glory. Give him honor. The book of Revelation says, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. He's worthy of all of our praise. Amen. Grab your Bibles. Remain standing for just a second. Uh, grab your Bibles and turn me to 1 Peter chapter number 4. 1 Peter chapter number 4. Uh, and we're going to continue through this wonderful book that we have been studying for several weeks now uh, and, and see what we can glean from it. I don't know about you, but I, I, love, I love the season. I love Christmas. I know there's a lot of Scrooges out there. Say amen. A lot of Scrooges out there, but I, I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. I love the, the sights. I love the sounds. I love the, the songs. I love the, uh, 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 the, the, the flowers and the trees and the decorations and the lights and especially the presents. Say amen. Y'all thought I was going to be spiritual right there, but I'm carnal. Amen. I, I, I love Christmas. I, I've always, I remember when I was growing up, we'd always have, we'd always have uh, hot chocolate and, and a hayride at our, our church. We'd always have like a Christmas pageant and, and uh, we'd go through the neighborhood on a, on a hayride and, and have chili and hot chocolate back at the church when we come back. And it was, man, there's wonderful memories. And I, I, I love that. And I always look forward to it. And, and I, it was something that, that you see that you have something in your memories that you can go back to that you really, really enjoy and you like. But do you know, do you know not everybody has the same memories? And not everybody has the same ability to enjoy the holidays or enjoy Christmas. Uh, I, I've, been, I've read this and I've heard this. I don't know how true it is, but they say there's a, there a lot of suicides during the holidays. A lot of hard times, a lot of depression, a lot of difficulty. Sometimes it's because of a loved one that's not there to share that holiday with them anymore. Or whatever it might be, just going through a difficult time, a time of suffering. There is a lot of suffering in this world. Would you agree with that? Say amen. amen. And as great as our country is, as great as our nation is, I think it's the greatest nation on earth, there's a lot of suffering in our country. And, and this, this message today is going to primarily deal with suffering. And more, and more specifically, suffering as a saint. Suffering as a child of God. Uh, Paul, or excuse me, Peter is writing a letter to a group of Christians who are fixing to go under the most intense suffering that they've ever experienced. And if you want to put it in, in, in modern terminology or a way to understand what we're talking about, if you have seen any of the recent atrocities that ISIS has brought on Christians as far as the beheadings and the electrocutions and, and, and setting people on fire, alive, all of these things, this is what went on in the first century church. Nero, we see back in Rome, that Rome was about to burn and the Christians would be blamed for it and they began an intense persecution on the Christians. They began to martyr Christians. They began to take Christians and feed them to animals and bring them in the Colosseums. They would take Christians and they would hang them on posts and, and, and pour tar over them and light them on fire to light the streets of Rome. And they were fixing to go in, under a great, great persecution. And this letter was a letter of encouragement. This letter was a letter of support to these people and what they're fixing to go through. Now, I don't know what you're going through today, and I don't know what you're experiencing, and I, I, I don't know what's on your mind, but I do know this. There's a lot of hurting people. There's a lot of people going through a lot of difficulty right now, no matter what the cause may be. And I pray this message will be an encouragement to you. I pray that we can take the same truths that Peter was sharing with the early church and apply it to our life today. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Let's look in 1 Peter 4. 
in verse number 12. Verse number 12. <clears throat> Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody, in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, there's a key phrase, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, wherefore, because all of Egypt that he just said, he says this, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the privilege it is to come and, and study it and learn and grow. Lord, thank you for the people that came out today in the cold and the rain and the weather. And Lord, they, they didn't let anything keep them from the house of the Lord. I pray that you'll bless them especially. I pray, God, that you'll speak to our hearts. Lord, you know how desperately I need you in this hour. I pray that you'll give me an unction from glory. I pray that you'll give me the words I need to say. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Don't let me forget anything I should. And I praise your holy name today. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. <clears throat> you may be seated. You may be seated. Suffering. Suffering. I, I don't like to suffer. I don't like pain. I don't, I don't like any, any of that. I, I don't, I don't uh, whatever it is, I, I, sissy or whatever, I, I just, I don't like hurting and I don't like suffering I don't like things bad I don't like things difficult and I don't like to see people suffer I don't like to see people in pain I like it happy go lucky I like things going smooth and I like things to be this way but Peter is saying to us and he's saying to the early church here listen beloved think it not strange think it not strange concerning this trial that's coming don't be surprised when this thing comes to pass don't be caught off guard. Do you realize the punch that gets you is not the one you see coming? It's the one you don't see coming? Me and my brother uh, was boxing in, in Guadalajara, Mexico on a missions trip. Missionaries uh, 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 of the compound there, his sons had boxing gloves, and, 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 and me and Joe was going at it, man, I'm telling you. And we was wearing each other out. And then all of a sudden, somebody came behind me and hit me with a two-by-four. <laughs> And all I seen was his knees. I started going down and I grabbed his knees because I didn't want to hit the ground. And he thought I wanted to wrestle. I just wanted to live. Say amen. He hit me so hard, I never saw it coming. I don't know what happened. Dad said, y'all quit before somebody gets hurt. And I thought to myself, too late, too late. You know, we get blindsided by life. We get blindsided by that phone call from the doctor. We get blindsided from, from the tragedy, the car wreck, the, the situation, the, the test results that come back. And it, and it causes us to almost lose it. And what Peter is saying here is expect it. Expect it. Expect it. 
understand this. Job said it this way. And if there's anybody that would know about it, it would be Job. He said, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Full of trouble. Our world is full of trouble. The Republicans are not going to fix it. The Democrats are not going to fix it. I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care who's in the State House. I don't care who's in Congress. It doesn't matter. This world is a mess. This world will always be a mess till the King of Kings and the Prince of Peace takes charge. It's always going to be a mess. And we have to expect it. Jesus said this in Jesus' own words. He said this in John 16, 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. He didn't say you might. Y'all with me, church? He didn't say you might. He said you shall. If you live in this world, you shall suffer persecution. You shall experience tribulation. Why? Because you're not of this world. You're not like those that are outside of these walls. You don't think like them. You don't act like them. You don't talk like them. You don't dress like them. So you need to expect some friction. You need to expect some problems. You need to expect some tribulation. Don't act so surprised when the devil fights what you're doing. He is the enemy. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion. He roameth about seeking whom he may devour. He is an adversary. He is an enemy. You are in a battle. You are a soldier called from God in the army of the living God. And when you go out of these doors and you live like Christ and you act like Christ and you serve Christ and you try your best to take back what the devil stole, he's not going to lay over and let you do it. So you got to expect it. When these things come, he said it will happen. There's no question about it. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12. Do we have that? Look at what this says. Look on the board. Yea, and, and, all. Do I need to get a dictionary? Y'all with me? Look. Yea, and. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Preacher, I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through. Is God mad at me? No. I don't know what I did wrong. It might not be what you did wrong. It might be what you're doing right. He says, don't be surprised. Don't, don't, don't be caught off guard. Let me, let me, let me can, I, can I be honest a little bit this morning I usually am anyway and I get in trouble but y'all done come to love me anyway so we're just going I, I'll be honest with you when we first started the the, the, the Fairview uh, thing uh, the, the, the expansion the, 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 the deal uh, whatever you want to call it our, our church plant and working in that, that, that move that way uh, when Satan came against us in, in so many different ways I'll be honest with you it kind of blindsided me. I was thinking, why in the world are these people acting this way? Why in the world is this happening? And I started getting aggravated. And I started getting frustrated. And then it dawned on me what we're doing. Do you realize the devil is not just going to sit back and let us come into his territory? He is the prince of the power of the air. He is the ruler of darkness of this world. All right, if you want to say it, he's kind of the king of this world, and we're going into his territory. And, it, and then it all made sense. It all made sense. Preacher, what's your point? Here's my point. 
When those things keep happening, here's what you do. You don't get frustrated with God. You don't get angry with God. You don't get frustrated with the person the devil's using to get to you. Because they're not the enemy. Your spouse is not the enemy. Your children is not the enemy most of the time. I said I'm going to be honest this morning, amen. They're not the enemy. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's not the, the, the issue is not, and then keep reminding yourself, this is the devil. I'm doing right, and he don't like it. This is the devil. Expect it. Matter of fact, let me go as far as to say this. If you're not going through a little something, something, you might need to check your life. Because Jesus said this, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And, and the word we just read was, all that live godly shall suffer persecution. And if you say, preacher, I don't go through no persecution, I must be, you might need to check up. Because friction, ooh. You know where we get friction? When things are going opposite direction. And friction causes heat. And it might be you're not experiencing heat or friction because you're going the same way. Somebody told me the other day, Preacher, you rubbing the cat wrong. I said, the cat needs to turn around then. <laughs> Listen, if we live right, we're going to suffer. We're going to experience difficulty. Are you all with me? Say amen. amen. He says to expect it. Don't let it blindside you. Listen, I know, I know suffering's difficult no matter what, but it's a, little bit, it's a little bit easier to handle when you know it's coming. Yeah. Are y'all with me? Amen. He said expect it. Then the second thing he said, <clears throat> the second thing he said, now this one's going to be, this one's going to be a little tougher to swallow because in the next two verses, he uses terminology that describes happiness, joy, uh, four different times in two verses when he's talking about suffering. So, if you're writing notes, the first thing he says is to expect it. Expect suffering. The second thing he says is to enjoy it. <coughs> cough, cough. <coughs> enjoy it. I know what you're thinking. Preacher, you've lost your mind. If you've gone through what I've been through, there's no way you'd tell me to enjoy it. How am I supposed to enjoy this pain? How am I supposed to enjoy this hurt? How am I supposed to enjoy this, this valley that I've been in, this dark time that seems like I'm never going to get out of? Hey, you tell me to enjoy it? Watch what it says. The Bible says in verse number 13, he talks about the fiery trial in verse number 12. He talks about the hardship in verse number 12. He talks about the difficulty they're going to face, and it's a fiery trial. This is not just a hard time. This is an excruciatingly difficult situation that they're going to experience. But then he says this in verse 9. When he tells him you're going to go through it, then he says this, but, oh, I lost some, I lost some shouters. Come on now. Verse 13, but rejoice. Rejoice. That means to get happy. It means to celebrate. Yeah. It, it kind of, if, if I can illustrate this, uh, uh, when, when, when our team is, 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 is down and, and, and our team goes ahead and, and, and now we're winning and everybody, woo! Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, see, some of y'all, some of y'all need to get your act straight. Because <clears throat> I've seen you at the ball field 
or in, in the gym and you holler and you come in here and sit like a knot on the log. And I know you got it in you. Y'all with me? It says, sing with a loud voice. Amen. Some of y'all are going to have to go to heaven and go to worship school for y'all can get turned loose in heaven. I'm not going to be one way out there, not in here. Bless God, he's worthy to be praised. Amen. He says, rejoice. Rejoice. Be excited. Be happy. Oh, he says some more. He says, as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be... Oh, come on. Ye may be also with exceeding... It says, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, say it with me. Happy are ye. I'm sitting in my office. I said, all right, Lord. You done said joy, happy, uh, rejoice, and all this kind of stuff. Now, how am I going to do that when I'm hurting? I know I'm supposed to go out there and tell these guys this, but what am I supposed to do? How? Don't you love preachers that will just tell you what you're supposed to do, but then they won't tell you how to do it? That always irritated me. When I was growing up as a preacher's kid, evangelists would come in and they'd preach you, I mean, get you way down in the carpet of the floor, how low down and sorry you was, and they want to give an invitation. Wouldn't tell you how to fix it. Do you know what? Jesus never preached like that. If he ever said an issue or a problem, or if he ever said you had something, he said, all right, this is what to do about it. And you know what? Peter gives us what to do. He explains to us how we can rejoice, how we can be happy, how we can can experience joy in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain. He gives us two things, two things he, he wants to remind us of. Look what it says in verse number 13. He says, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, watch this, that when his glory shall be revealed... It says, when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you're taking notes, write this down. The way, the way that we, we are able to rejoice in the midst of suffering is to look ahead. In other words, there is a future to anticipate. There is a future to anticipate. Paul said it this way. Paul said it this way, and I bet y'all didn't know Paul was a redneck. <clears throat> he said, for I reckon. You know, highfalutin people don't use that word. <clears throat> he said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time cannot even be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in that day. You know what that means? One day, we're going to lay these burdens down. One day, we're going to quit all the crying. We're going to quit all the weeping. All the suffering's going to be over. All the pain is going to be over. All the death and despair is going to be over. All the depression and discouragement is going to be over. One day, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, is coming back to this earth, and He's coming in the glory of His Father. And we're going to be, say amen. It's all going to be worth it. Paul is saying, I know it's hard right now. I know it's difficult right now. Paul was beaten with rods. Paul was stoned and left for dead. Paul went through shipwreck and people trying to kill him and assault him. But he said, don't let it bother you. Everything's going to be all right. One day, it's going to be worth it all. Every tear you shed, every pain you experience, one day it's going to be worth it. The greatest way 
to illustrate that. How many mommies in here? You a mommy, raise your hand. How many of y'all went through labor like 17 days? Amen. <laughs> and by the way, my wife's sick and she's not here, so I'm going to just be honest with you. <clears throat> you know, like on TV, when they go through labor and they say, don't touch me, that's real. Baby, it's all right, baby. Don't touch me. I'm going to go get a Diet Mountain Dew. Amen. I'll leave. All that pain. Excruciating pain. They were, they were talking about the levels of pain that a, that a mother goes through in, in childbirth and delivery. And it is, it is, if men had to do that, this would be a very poor populated earth. Say amen. There would be a lot of only one child in the family. Amen. But you know what? Look what happens when that baby's placed in her arms. Listen, it's not about the pain anymore. It's about the joy. It's about the extreme happiness of the bundle that's laying in her lap. And what, what, what the, the writer is saying is, listen, look ahead. I know you're hurting right now, but look ahead. I know what you're going through is difficult right now, and I know you don't understand it right now, but look ahead because one day what, you, what, is, mm, what is waiting on you is going to cause you to forget everything you just come through. So when you're going through it, just say, whoo, amen. One day, watch this. The, ooh, the greater the pain the greater the reward. Let me read it. Let me read it. Look what it says. Matthew 5, 11. <clears throat> Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Great is your reward in heaven. I know that might not be enough for everybody. <clears throat> so he says something else. Look what he says in the next verse, verse 14. Not only is there a future to anticipate, look what he says in verse 14. He says, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Why? For the spirit of glory and of God, what's the next three words? Resteth upon you. Resteth upon you. There is a fellowship you appreciate. Let me explain it. The glory that he's speaking of here. The glory of God that resteth upon you. In other words, he's saying when you're going through it, when you're in your darkest hour, when you're in your most difficult time, the glory of God resteth upon you. That glory is the Shekinah glory that was in the Old Testament tabernacle. It was that light it was that aura that, that glowed from the tabernacle that came and it, it, it radiated out of, the, out of the inner circle, out of the, the, the holy of holies on the mercy seat where the glory of God, the presence of God was. 
Some writers said you could see it for miles, the glory of God. It's that same glory when they dedicated the temple, when, they, when Solomon finished building the temple and they offered sacrifices unto God. The Bible said the cloud filled the temple and the priests could not minister because the presence of God, the very literal presence and glory of God had filled the temple. And what he's saying here is when you are suffering, when you are in pain, when you are going through a dark, dismal time, that is the time that the the glory of God, the presence of God will rest upon you and you will fellowship with Him like you've never fellowship with Him. You will experience His presence like you've never experienced His presence. Nowhere do we find the three Hebrew children walking with God like they were walking with God in the fiery furnace. When they threw Him in the furnace, when they threw Him in the fire, the rest of them come and look and say, hey boys, they got company. There was one walking with them. There was a closeness that they had. There was a fellowship that they had. Paul said it this way, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, but also in the fellowship of his sufferings. Hey, listen, Daniel said this, that God has sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions. Paul said it this way, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Preacher, what are you saying? There is a time when you are going through it and you are experiencing extreme suffering and extreme pain for his name that Christ is closer to you than he will ever be in your Christian walk in life. How many of y'all remember, how many of y'all remember the first martyr in the book of Acts, Stephen? Stephen was stoned for his faith. Now watch this. You remember we're talking about that glory. That Shekinah glory. That light. The Bible says they looked upon Stephen's face. And his face shone like the face of an angel. You know why? He was going through a difficult time. But the presence of Christ was resting on him. I'm about to get plumb undignified this morning. Listen, when he was being stoned, I mean the very time the rocks were hitting him, his bones were breaking, he was bleeding, he was suffering, and he was in pain. The Bible says he looked up, and the heavens opened, and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. He said, what's so significant about that? Every verse you find, the Bible says Jesus is seated at the right hand. But when his child is going through it and his child is in desperate need, he won't sit down for the sake of his child. He'll stand up on your behalf. That's how you can rejoice. Because you, you can feel him. I can't explain it. I've read, I've read commentaries and I've read biographies and I've read stories of, 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 of the martyrs of the first century church who were, who were tied to a stake because they would not renounce the name of Christ. And they would put sticks and tar around them and light the fires. And all they had to do was deny Christ, and they would not do it. And they, when they would light the fires, listen, historians said they would begin to sing glorious praises unto God. How in the world could a man begin to sing with glory while fires are licking at his feet because the power and the presence and the Shekinah glory of Christ rested upon them? As those Christians would be burning in the Colosseums, 
And those songs of praise would go up to God. And those songs of Christ would go up. And those songs of worship would go up. People in the Colosseums would fall under deep conviction and fall down to their knees and repent because someone was going through the fire. And God brought them through it. And instead of whining and complaining and blaming God and wanting to quit God and quit church and quit everything, they gave God the glory for it all. And because of that, it brought salvation to other people. You realize both situations? I went back and read it. I went back and read it this week. The situation with, with, uh, with uh, the three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, the situation with Daniel. You know, in both of those situations, it calls the king to say that he is the only God. He said, don't, don't follow and don't bow down to our puny gods. The God of, of the three Hebrew children, the God of Daniel, he's the only God we need to be bound down to. I tell you what our country needs. I tell you what our country needs. It needs the Christians in our country to quit sucking their thumb and stand up and trust God, put their faith in Him, and let this world see that there is real grace and there is real strength and there is real power in the presence of God. Amen. Amen. Number three. He says enjoy it. Rejoice in it. Rejoice in it. And by the way, let me say this. Let me say this. When you go through your dark time, people are watching. People want to see how you handle it. People want to see if if, if this grace that you're singing about and preaching about and talking about and say you believe, are you going to practice what you preach? And it may not... Listen, guys... It may not be the message you preach that brings them to Christ. It may be the pain you endure. Because Daniel preached, the three Hebrew children preached, but that didn't change nothing. But when they went through the fire, (laughs) man, I want to preach some more right there. I got more of an outline. Don't, don't, in your time, in your difficulty, Here's what you got to do. You got to look ahead. And know it's not always going to be like this. You know the most devastating thing about depression? The most devastating thing about depression is the thought that it's always going to be like this. It's always going to feel like this. It's always going to be this dark. It's always going to be this hard. But that's just a lie. That is a lie. Listen, when, 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 when Jacob's sons brought back the, the, the coat of many colors that was ripped to shreds and dipped in blood, and they said, is this your son's Joseph? You know what Jacob said? I'll go to my grave grieving. You know what he's saying? I'll never be happy again. It'll always be like this. I'll always be in mourning. I'll always be in sorrow. I'll never be happy again. But guess what? If you keep reading a few chapters, he's bouncing Joseph's baby boys on his knee, rejoicing over his grandchildren. What's the point? When the devil tells you it's always going to be like that, look him dead in the face and say, you're a liar. It's biblical. You can do that. Amen? Look ahead. 
It's not always going to be this way. It's not always going to be like this. And understand this. The closest you'll ever be with Christ is in your time of difficulty. Amen? Look at the next one. Look what it says in, in verse 15. But. Oh, he's going to get us right here. But. Now see, so far, he's been talking about suffering for Jesus. Right? Suffering for Jesus. Suffering because you're living right. Suffering because you're living godly. And, and I'll be honest with you. Most of the Christians in America, that's not why they're suffering. So he's covering it. Y'all with me? Well, y'all getting quiet. Look what it says. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a... As a... In other men's manners. Uh... Hank Williams <clears throat> sang a great song. I haven't found it in the hymnal yet. <clears throat> but he sang, if you mind your own business, then you won't be minding mine. And all God's people say it. You know what Peter's saying right here? He said, don't let your suffering cause cause." Be because of the stupid things you do. In other words, in other words, when, if you're driving down the highway and you're doing 90, you with me? There's no place on the planet you can do that but Germany, and you're not in Germany. If you're doing 90 and you see the blue lights and you know, oh, yeah. Don't call out to God and say, I don't know why the devil's doing this to me. Right? That is no, it's, like, it's like the people on a diet. Don't, don't, be, don't be eating an eclair, you know, them, them, them cream field wonders of beauty from heaven. <clears throat> and pray that God will turn it into a carrot on the way down. It don't work that way. Are y'all with me? Do I have any dieters in the house? Amen. Tammy's not here. I was at a celebration yesterday. And, and I was eating stuff I shouldn't have been eating. And they said, would you like to take this home? I said, no. Tammy will know then, amen. I want her to know that. And I hope her internet's broke at home, amen. I don't want Don't do foolish things. Don't, don't keep asking God to dig you out of the holes that you dig. Because see, the third thing he says, when you're suffering, you need to evaluate it. You need to evaluate it. He's saying this, listen, are you suffering because you're doing ignorant things? Let me say this, guys. Let me say this. Might we, let's just get it all out. Are you suffering because you're doing sinful things? You say, you say, why are you saying that? Because if you're a child of God and you're living in sin or you're doing things you shouldn't do, the Bible says that God will whoop you. I know that's the that's redneck version of that, but the Bible says this, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. 
The word chasteneth means whooping. He chasteneth. If you, if you belong to him, he loves you. And he will come and he will correct you. He doesn't want you staying in that situation. He doesn't want you staying in that condition. Why would a loving father whoop his children? Because he knows that sin leads to death. And he doesn't want you to be destroyed. He wants you to live prosperously. He wants you to have health. He wants to bless you. And you cannot experience any of those things living in a sinful state. And you may be going through what you're going through because what you are doing You may be suffering because of the life you're living. Well, I got good news for you. Stop. It's simple. Do you know that you're suffering? You're suffering. If you're suffering because of sinful behavior, your suffering can end immediately if you'll just turn to God and get it right. Because God does not chasten you to punish you. He chastens you to correct you and get you into a right place. And the moment you repent and come back to Him, the chastening is over. So evaluate it. Why am I going through what I'm going through? Why why is my relationship with my spouse, why is my relationship with my spouse the way it is? Is it because I'm doing foolish things or I'm not investing in the relationship like I should? I'm not spending the time that I should. Evaluate your situation. Don't just sit in your pain and sit in your hurt and sit in your valley and beg God to get you out of it. Maybe you need to do a little investigation. Maybe you need to evaluate your situation and see there may be something you can do about it. Because some of our suffering, God is the only one that can do. God is the only one that can give grace. God is the only one that can give peace. But you know what? If there are situations in our life that we are causing, bless God, we can do something about it. And people say, pray for me. I don't have to. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need to pray. You, you don't have to pray. If God already told you something, ain't no need to pray about it. There's no need to pray whether or not you need to keep sinning. Y'all with me? Man, it's quiet. Y'all ain't shouting like y'all was a while ago. Am I preaching the truth? Evaluate it. Peter says, don't suffer because you're doing stupid things. Don't suffer because you're living in an ignorant lifestyle. Don't suffer because you're living in sin. Make sure if you're going to suffer, make sure it's because it's a cause of Christ. Y'all with me? Let's look at the next one. Here's, 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 if if you're taking notes, if you're taking notes, boy, I've got good time. When you're evaluating your situation, this is verses 15 through 17. First, we have to determine the cause. Am am I suffering because because I'm living for Christ, or am I suffering because I'm living in sin? I'm making poor choices and poor decisions. But then understand this in verse 17. We not only need to determine the cause, but we need to understand the conclusion. What is the point? What is the point of our suffering? Look in verse 17. For the time has come, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Now watch this. I looked up up a couple other verses, and and, and, and this is what it says in Isaiah 48.10. Isaiah 48.10. Behold, I have refined thee. I have refined thee. If you know what refining is, is when you put the metal into heat. 
and the metal, the, the heat causes the metal to liquefy. And the impurities in the gold or the impurities in the silver will rise to the top. And the goldsmith and the silversmith will scoop it out and it'll keep turning up the heat. And the, and, and, and the greater the heat, the, the, the impurities will come out so it will be pure. You know what he's saying right here? The word judgment here doesn't mean condemnation. It means purifying. It means refining. What, what am I saying? When we come to Christ, we're messed up. When we come to God, we have issues. Nobody comes to God perfect. Nobody comes to God sinless. So, so, so if you're a, a snob and you're stuck up and you think you're better than everybody else and you think you don't have issues and everybody else does, the main thing you need to do is get a mirror. Because everybody has issues. Everybody has weaknesses. Everybody has blemishes, if you will, if you want to use that term. Now, everybody has infirmities. Everybody has problems. And so what happens is, is that Christ will bring us in and he will apply the heat. He will apply the heat of suffering. He will apply the heat of difficulty. He will apply the heat of problems in our life. Not to make us hurt on, just for the sake of hurting. Not to do that, but to refine us, to purify us, to get the impurities out of us, to get those things out of us that will hinder our walk in relationship with Him. He will not leave you like He finds you. I love the sign that says this, Jesus will take you just as you are. And that's true. But it's tied on beside it. It said, but he won't leave you that way. You can't keep living the same way. You can't keep acting the same way. You can't keep behaving the same way. Why? God will apply the pressure. God will apply things in your life and bring difficult things in your life and tests in your life to refine you and purify you so you'll come out white. Say amen. Job said it this way. How many of y'all believe, how many of y'all believe Job went through hell on earth? Look what Job said. Job said in verse chapter 23, verse 8, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. He's talking about God. I can't find God. This is in his darkest hour. This is in his most difficult time. He said, He is not there. I go backward, but I cannot perceive him. I go on the left hand where he doth work, but I can't behold him. He hideth himself. On the right hand, that I cannot see him. Have you ever been in a place in your life where it seemed no matter where you turned, you just couldn't find God? It seemed like every prayer you prayed hit the ceiling and came back down. Every chance you get, you tried to find God and you begged God and said, Oh, God, help me in my situation. And it seemed like he was nowhere to be found. Can you say amen? Look what Job said. Job said, But he know, he said, When I didn't know where he was, it says, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. What he's saying here, even though I couldn't find him, even though I couldn't feel him, even though I didn't know where he was, he knew where I was. And he was putting me through the fire. He was putting me through the trying time. He was testing me. And when I come through this trial, when I come through this difficulty, when I come to the other side of this valley, I'm going to come forth as gold. Say amen, church. It starts here. Judgment starts here. The refining starts here. That's why, you know what? We're living in a time. <clears throat> I'm running out of time. We're living in a time that Jesus predicted he said, in the last days, people will heap upon themselves teachers having itching ears. 
In other words, they're going to go to churches that will tell them what they want to hear. They'll be able to live the way they want to live and come in and get their ears tickled and think everything's all right. Well, let me tell you something. If your toes ain't getting scuffed up about every third week, you're in the wrong church. Because God is in a refining process. I'm not saying you got to get beat up every week. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying this. If you don't get challenged, if you don't get convicted, God, listen, He will work on you through the preaching of the Word of God to refine you and purify you and beautify you to be a bride that's spotless and ready for her groom. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Evaluate your life. Listen, know that God will purge and He will purify. And by the way, by the way, they say, how do you know when it's ready? How do you know when that gold is ready? When it's, it's been through enough of the fire. When that silver has been refined enough. It says this, when the refiner can see his reflection in the silver. Y'all didn't get it. Let me, let me explain it this way. Romans 8, 28. Right? For all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to His purpose. That means everything we go through in life, everything we experience, the good times, the bad times, the sad times, happy times, all this stuff, it all works for a purpose. What's the purpose? Keep reading. Very next verse, 29. For whom He did foreknow, He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. <laughs> I'm having way too much fun up here today, man. That means God, He has His hand on the thermostat. And He cranks it up until He can see the image of His Son in your life. Now that's good. I don't care who you are. So, preacher, why is that good? Because you know that what you're going through has a purpose. Everything God's doing in your life, He has a purpose. He wants you to love like His Son. He wants you to have mercy like His Son. He wants you to forgive like His Son. He wants you to be humble like His Son. And all God's people say it. Lastly, what was number one? We expect it, right? The suffering, we expect it. Number two, we enjoy it. Number three, we evaluate. Then, then lastly, write this down. Look at the, look at the very last verse. Very last verse. <clears throat> it says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. And by the way, all those birds on TV that are saying, If you're suffering, you're not in God's will, please show them that verse. You'll have people telling you, Well, you must not, everything must not be right in your life. Now, sometimes sin does cause that. But not all the time. Sometimes it is God's perfect will for you to be in the valley. Do you realize it was God's perfect will that His Son hang on a cross, butchered and bruised, betrayed? Are y'all with me? Look what it says. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. We need to entrust it. We need to entrust that the word commit means to deposit for safekeeping. They use the term, they use the term faithful creator. 
And that's important because we need to understand he started all this. All the terminology in the Bible, it says he's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the creator. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. He's the architect. He's the author of all that we know. And being the faithful creator. Do you know nobody knows a machine like the one who invented it? When NASA has a problem, what do they always do? They call the engineer. They call the one who created the machine. Listen, when it comes to life, guys, when it comes to our hurt, when it comes to our suffering, when it comes to our pain, we need to put our life in the hands of our Creator and understand He knows what's best. He knows what's best. And just as if when you put your money in a bank and you can go home and rest at night knowing it's being kept safe from a thief, you can take your life and your soul and place it in the hands of your faithful creator and know that no matter what, hell or high water, no matter deep the valley, no matter how wide the river, it does not matter. Everything is going to be all right. Can we take a moment and give God glory and praise and honor? Everything's going to be all right. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blessings. We thank you, Lord, for